Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Allen Derry, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Doc Griggs, and I'm a community medicine doctor and health literacy expert. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician, that's me, and a health literacy and communications expert, that's me, talk about what you need to know about COVID-19. You can find more information about this show and our other daily live updates and Q&A show at noisefiltershow.com. So let's get started. Americans unsure about potential COVID vaccines. According to a recent poll, as few as 50% of Americans are committed to receiving a potential coronavirus vaccine, with another quarter still wavering. The statistics reflect the influence of anti-vaccine activists and the information they spread to the general public, such as the notion that the coronavirus is a scam meant to sell its eventual vaccine. Even before the pandemic, public health organizations were struggling to fight rising anti-vaccination sentiments. False information is being spread about vaccines, often on the internet, specifically on social media sites. The fear now is that the misinformation that anti-vaxxers rile up may be amplified, given our current world circumstances of being in a pandemic, especially in groups that already historically distrust the medical system. In fact, we've seen this misinformation about COVID-19 already. Videos claiming that the coronavirus has been blown out of proportion or that it's a conspiracy involving the government or famous people like Bill Gates have garnered millions of views online. This is especially problematic in a media landscape that favors speed and memorability over accuracy and verification. The spread of this false information is also especially concerning because epidemiologists estimate that at least 70% of the population will need to develop immunity to the coronavirus, either through infection or vaccination for the pandemic to officially end. Doc, we've talked about it before. Misinformation is dangerous. Yeah, Doc Griggs, as you were explaining that story to me, I kept going back to the first line that you said, and that was that 50% of Americans, 50, that's half of America are committed to receiving the vaccine and the others aren't. And I'm blown away by it. Now, in order to spread the truth, vaccine advocates are considering appealing to the emotions of the public in creative ways, rather than putting out traditional vaccine messages which do not necessarily grab one's attention like a coronavirus conspiracy theory. Given this, public health communication experts will look to promote any future vaccine with good storytelling, which will highlight the positives of getting the COVID vaccine, such as being able to interact with one's grandparents, the decreased anxiety of being in public places, and of course, not having to wear a mask everywhere. It's also important that the vaccination message is spread to places where people work and shop and not just inside hospitals. But the best strategy may be to spread the word directly through phone call reminders, as well as word of mouth in our communities. And some of our listeners may be old enough to remember when President Gerald Ford was vaccinated live on television for the swine flu vaccine in 1976, and he was flanked by Salk and uh, by Sabin, uh, two very famous polio vaccine makers. Uh, and also uh, Elvis Presley was once uh, vaccinated famously live on television as well. And it's going to be things like that. So uh, Doc Riggs, given how famous you and I are, they'll be coming after us really quickly so that we can show ourselves being vaccinated uh, for the coronavirus and we'll influence a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> The best and the worst antibody test. 
The Food and Drug Administration, or FDA, is the government organization responsible for certifying medical tests in the United States. Since the start of the pandemic, the FDA has authorized at least 17 different antibody tests, and there are still more than 100 additional tests awaiting review. <clears throat> the quality of tests being offered, however, varies widely. With more people than ever taking antibody tests, we wanted to review some of the most and least effective tests on the market. So, not to get too deep into the weeds, but when it comes to testing, there are actually two different ways to measure the quality of the results. A test can be right or wrong a certain percentage of the time when it says you're positive, and it also can be right or wrong a certain percentage of the time when it says that you're negative. With COVID-19 antibody tests, a negative result is accurate in a vast majority of cases. In other words, you haven't had antibodies to COVID-19. So from here on out, we're going to focus on those that we call false positives. So doc, why don't you kick off with the least effective of the test? Sure. So you've heard us say before that some antibody tests can give you around 50% false positives. Well, it turns out you can do even worse. Our ignoble award goes to Kembio, where 59% of the positives are wrong. Whoa. So literally, you can flip a coin and it would be more accurate. Celex comes in next with half the results being inaccurate. Then we have Healgen at one-third inaccuracy. And Wadsworth, bringing up the, is that the front or the rear? The, I don't know whether to call it the front or the rear, but they're bringing up the, <laughs> they're, they're coming in at about a quarter, 25%. Happily, on the other side of the spectrum, we have some incredible tests by Euroimmune, Mount Sinai, and Orthoclinical Diagnostics. Each of these tests have a 0% false positive rate and less than 0.5% false negatives, meaning you can feel quite confident in your results. The Orthoclinical Diagnostics Vitros Immunodiagnostic Products Anti-SARS-CoV-2 Total Reagent Pack and Calibrator. Wow. Whew, that's a that's mouthful. That's a mouthful. It's currently the most accurate test with 0% false positives and 0% false negatives. With all those letters more than the alphabet, I would certainly hope so. Doc, how do we get to this point where there's so much variation in the accuracy of the results of the test? And since you like to say things so quickly, I want you to say orthoclinical diagnostics, vitreous, immunodiagnostic products, anti-SARS, COVID-2, total reagent pack, and calibrator backwards. Calibrator and pack reagent total two cove SARS anti products immunodiagnostic vitros diagnostics clinical ortho. Don't challenge me on things like this. I will always that's always backwards. Always win. That's not backwards. Uh, Rotarb. Early on in the pandemic, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration was allowing pretty much any test to be given with the thinking that something was better than nothing. Recently, however, the director of the FDA's test approval division stated that providing regulatory flexibility during this public health emergency never meant we would allow fraud. With that message, the FDA also issued new guidelines saying that only high-quality tests will receive approval moving forward. Given that we now have so many good antibody test options, it's time to get the less accurate tests off of the market so that we're able to get a clearer picture of what's really going on with this virus. Infection fatality rate. What does it mean and is it important? 
Since the beginning of the pandemic, there has been so much controversy over how deadly the coronavirus really is. Now, some argue that published infection fatality rates have been overblown, while others, they've said that it's been greatly underestimated uh, with respect to the fatality rate of this virus. Now, researchers use a metric called the infection fatality rate to calculate how deadly a new disease is. It is the proportion of infected people who will die as a result, including those who don't get tested or show symptoms. It's particularly challenging to calculate this number since there are many people with mild or no symptoms whose infection have gone undetected. Plus the time between infection and death can be as long as two months. And I also am gonna add that there's some modeling and assumptions that are built into this as well. In May, the CDC approximated the fatality rate of symptomatic individuals to be about to be about 0.4%. However, when they included asymptomatic individuals, the rate dropped to 0.26%. The CDC received a great deal of criticism by the scientific community for underestimating COVID's infection fatality rate. And other recent studies support an infection fatality rate of anywhere between 0.5 to 1%. Essentially, this means that around five to 10 people will die for every 1,000 people with COVID-19. Doc Griggs, imagine that number. And now we're talking about possibly 100, as per Dr. Fauci's estimations, 100,000 people a day. And if we're looking at five to 10 people dying for every 1,000, when you get to 100,000 per day, we're looking at some very, very untenable numbers. Your thoughts? Yeah, Doc. Attached to these numbers are what we sadly forget. Each of these numbers is attached to a person a member of our community, a family, a friend, a neighbor, a relative uh, that uh, is lost. And that void can't be measured. With so much emphasis on determining the infection fatality rate for COVID-19, we lose sight of some of the important considerations. When looking at the deadliness of the disease, the risk from dying from COVID-19 can vary considerably depending on age, ethnicity, access to health care, underlying conditions, and socioeconomic status. It also changes over time as doctors get better at treating the disease. As scientists continue to look at data from other countries and incorporate results from antibody testing to better assess the coronavirus's infection fatality rate, we must acknowledge the growing number of corona-related deaths in the world. According to the CDC, there have been a total of 127,299 deaths, with an increase of 560 new deaths from yesterday in the United States. Those are big numbers to contemplate and larger holes in the hearts of our community that we can't measure. It's going to be a tough ride, Doc. It is. Tough ride. Thanks for listening to the Noise Filter Daily Podcast. Dr. Derry and I have a daily show at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time where we go into more detail on stories and answer your questions about COVID-19. You can find Doc Griggs at DocGriggs1 on social media, and you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at D-R-D-E-R-Y. You can follow us at Noise Filter on Instagram, Noise Filter NOLA on Twitter, and for more information about us and the show, you can go to NoiseFilterShow.com. Hey, Doc Griggs, any last words? Remember, get checked, get fit, get moving. And remember to get some rest to boost your immune system. And Doc, protect yourself and others by staying home and please wear masks when you go outside. Remember, health is a human right.